Well, as Kim, uh, we have two Kims, as Kim number one said this morning, uh, we've been looking at 2 Corinthians, actually 5 through 9, but here recently, chapter 9, and we've been talking about extravagant generosity. I'm going to wrap that up this morning, and before we move into to John, and uh, last week, a couple of thoughts for those who weren't with us last week that'll kind of launch us into the morning. Paul reminded us of what a generous way of look like, looks, life looks like as he, as he finished up chapter 9. And let me read those verses to you. Uh, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to, to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. What a, what a great word. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As we, as we give some, some thought, we're, we're looking in this, this final talk to uh, what does generosity look like here at Grace Church? And I shared this with you last week. Extravagant generosity is core to our spiritual formation as a family. Uh, this is not one of those optional things for us. This is core. It's, it's who we seek to be. It's how we evidence our gratitude and our obedience in following Jesus. And the hope is that we as a family fully engage a lifestyle of extravagant generosity. Uh, commit ourselves to a lifelong discipleship that holds generosity as a valued part of our way of life. Uh, that we would break free from the smallness of what we've called scarcity living to, to live in the largeness of generous living, kingdom living. Now, if you were with us last week, I'm going to give you just a couple of the highlights from last week, and then we'll kind of pivot to, to this morning. Last week, we talked about the fact that gen generosity is, is hardwired into our very identity and calling as followers of Jesus. Uh, this is less about something we do than who we are. And we, we explored that biblically last week. Uh, we, we also talked about the fact that what motivates generosity is our imagination, our imagination for the people we're called to be as, as the followers of Jesus. And, and so much of the scriptures were given to us to awaken imagination and to invite us into a way of life. And then thirdly, we learned that we're all storytellers. Every person in this room is a storyteller. Your lives, my life, our lives together uh, tell the story of the ways that we are living generously as a family, the ways we practice generosity, and the ways that that generosity is abounding in glory to God. We, we, we share stories. And if you were with us last week, I shared a lot of stories. And if you weren't able to be with us last week, I encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, just story after story after story of the ways that generosity is being lived out here at Grace. And so many ways. Uh, throughout, throughout our ministry here. Well, this morning, I'm going to look at generosity a little bit differently, and I want to think of how generosity will shape our future. 
and as we, as we look forward. But, but to do that, I need to kind of give you a little bit of a backstory of what's been going on over the past year. Um, in 2020, none of us fully grasped the scope of what would become a global pandemic and the shutdown that resulted. Um, obviously, like so many churches, it had a profound effect on Grace Church. Um, I, I, I suppose I, I can remember thinking er, in the early months, uh, the assumption was this was going to last for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Um, then we would return to normal life. And then it lingered for the better part of two years. <laughs> and none of us could have anticipated that. But you remember me sharing with you just in vlogs and various things that from the very beginning, our leadership, our elders and our staff, we shared our belief that the pandemic wasn't a crisis that we simply needed to recover from and then return to life as it had been. Um, the, the pandemic and its aftermath presented us an opportunity to reshape Grace Church in some needed ways. It was an opportunity, it was an invitation to, to take a fresh look at Grace Church. It, it offered us a moment of clarity uh, to see our need to reinvent ourselves to more full, fully and faithfully live out our, our identity and calling as a church. And, and over the last couple of years, as we've just kind of been lingering in this place and, and slowly trying to re-envision our future, um, some realities began to surface, some things that we noticed over the past year, year and a half. And um, if you've been a part of our series, one of the things that I shared with you is one of the things that causes our lives to be trustworthy is when we have a courageous honesty with reality. We're truthful. And so I'm going to be truthful about some things that we saw over the past couple of years that is leading to us thinking about what does generosity in the future look like. Um, uh, one of the things that we discovered was that too much of our identity and efforts were defined and I'd even say limited to our Sunday morning gatherings. That we had grown to a place where too much of our life as a church was being defined by this Sunday morning time. And that's a needed thing, a good thing. I'm not dismissing the value of this. Um, and, and when Sunday morning was pulled away from us and it shifted, some, some unsettling and sometimes some troubling realities bubbled to the surface. For example, we discovered that we didn't have a relational network that held us together. Um, and over the weeks and the months, as much as we tried, we, we found that our family was more fragmented um, than is healthy and, and, and that many in our family felt detached and isolated and, um, and we, were, we were sensing that. Now, that's not unique to Grace Church, is it? But we are thinking about Grace Church. And, and we saw just the, the fragmentation and the isolation in our own family and, and how many of us were losing connection to our family. And there was limited engagement and interaction and feedback. And, and all of a sudden, when we didn't have the Sunday morning experience, we, know we lost our, our gauges to know how we're doing. And we had no way of paying attention to that and monitoring that. And, and, and we, we were losing connection. And, and as a result, people began to drift away. And often no one knew because we had no way of knowing. <laughs> 
And we, would, we started hearing of people who had left grace. And, and, if, and of course, if you have been paying attention to this time, that's not unique to grace. Um, some have referred to this time as kind of the great migration. People moved all over the place in churches. Um, but we were, we were saddened by uh, the families who were just moving on. And, and there was the, 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 the relational fabric was so thin. It was too easy. And, you know, and when we began coming back together in limited ways, um, we, we saw other things that more people than we imagined um, found it easier and more comfortable just to stay home and watch at home rather than come in person. That the value of being together and the value of being in relationship with each other had, had declined for some and just the convenience and the comfort of staying at home that they traded and we had, had, had a larger number of people than we imagined that kind of opted for that and are opting for that. And, and I've had conversations with many of them and, and kind of lingering out of that. I'm using broad general, generalities right now, but, and, and we, we saw and, and became concerned about the fact that too much of our discipleship was shaped by attending a service rather than engaging in spiritual friendships. Now again, I'm not minimizing the discipleship value of gathering together, but all of a sudden, too many of our eggs were in one basket. And, and rather than discipleship being lived out and experienced through spiritual, through vibrant and growing spiritual friendships that were just widespread, uh, it was being shaped by attending a service and as we came back together more and more, we also discovered that the interest and availability to serve in former pathways had declined dramatically. Uh, people were less interested in signing up to serve in children's ministries or worship or different places. And, and something, something had shifted. Something was changing in the attitudes of people and the, the, the ways people thought. Now, it's interesting uh, before the pandemic, there were already signs that the ways we were doing church was weakening. <laughs> they were already there. Um, growing numbers of people, you, you heard stories, more and more stories of people who were disillusioned with what the church had become and what the church was and, and a growing number were dropping out and new categories were showing up with people on one extreme called the Duns. They were done with church. And, and we began seeing some of the signs. Um, um, I, read a, I read a fascinating book um, called when, when the Universe Cracks, Living as God's People in Times of Crisis, uh, written by a church planter and professor of missiology, and, and he made this profound observation. The pandemic only accelerated the disengagement that was already underway. I think there's a lot of wisdom there. You know, it's... Yes, there were ripples with the pandemic, but it, it exposed something that was already beginning to take shape. And, 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 and so as a church, we were confronted with an opportunity, um, both incredibly challenging and wonderful. And it raised, it raised um, some questions for us. Uh, would we, as an established church with, with decades of history, uh, would we prayerfully redirect our energies and resources to maybe go back to the foundation and basics of our mission as followers of Jesus? Would we do that? Could we do that? Um, 
Would we have, and, and maybe one of the bigger questions, one of the harder questions, would we have the courage to abandon parts of our old normal? <laughs> you know, could we look back at some of the things we were doing and say, ah, maybe, maybe that needs to, we need to let that go. Would we have the courage to abandon parts of our old normal while they were safe and familiar, but maybe hid a lack of vitality and fruitfulness and 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 would we have the faith to reimagine Grace Church uh, into something more fruitful and faithful and more generous uh, who are called to be in today's world? Uh, would we invest in this new future with extravagant generosity? Would we look at our lives and our heritages and our spiritual gifts and our abilities and all that God has entrusted to us and, and rather than looking at the future with caution and anxiety and fear, would we step into it with abandon and extravagant generosity and becoming who God wants us to be? You know, so over this past year, our team has been talking a lot about this, doing some reading and wrestling with it and processing and, and we're very aware of all the changes. Um, we're also aware that the Grace family has changed. Um, you've, you've heard me a couple of times, I think I've said from, from, from up here, I've said that leading grace in this new season feels like we're planting a new church. So many new families, so many things that worked in the past don't today, that all of a sudden we find ourselves, it feels like we're planting a new church. And there's a wonderful, exciting opportunity there, but boy, is it a huge challenge. And so I want to share with you, kind of in the spirit of the generosity, kind of where, how, how we're thinking about the future. And, and I want you to be thinking about my comments in view of just this, 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 this generosity of living. And, and, and so one of the things we did, we went back and we renewed our commitment to who we seek to be, that we, we follow Jesus. Following Jesus compels us to extend grace so that, to others so that Christ's kingdom may flourish. And we went back and, and revisited this, this, this thought that our goal is not somehow to necessarily just rebuild grace. We wanted to, we wanted to see Christ's kingdom flourish. And, and who do we have to be as a church family that furthers that and advances that? It's, it's not just about kind of getting us back inside these walls and what we're doing and... and and as we began wrestling with this question, we started looking at Grace Church, there were three questions that guided us as we looked at the future. And I'm just going to just mention these briefly. We'll talk, maybe we'll talk about these more later on. Maybe not. I don't know. But, um, but there were three questions that guided us over the past year. Um, what grace traditions, practices, and culture are essential that must be preserved? What are we doing that's core to who we are and critical to that? must never change, that we must protect. What is it? What are the traditions, the, the practices um, uh, that, that we've got to, that they're essential to who we are that must be preserved, and can we identify those? The second question, and it got harder, uh, the second question is, okay, what do we stop doing then to free up resources and energies to think differently? We don't have unlimited resources. And, and so for us to envision new things, often the decision is what do we stop doing 
to be able to redirect resources. And so we began wrestling through, looking through all of our ministries and saying, okay, we've got some essential things here. What do we stop doing? And the third question was, what needs to be adapted or created to step into this new opportunity? And, and through this process, a number of priorities became clear to us. I'm going to share those with you this morning. And you'll be hearing a lot more about them in the course of the summer, but we thought today would be a good time to just kind of introduce you to some of the big priorities we're going to be talking a lot about in the fall and how these are going to infuse a lot of our extravagant generosity as we think about the future. Here's the first priority. And I, I state this first because it's that, that important to us, is we're prioritizing our commitment to disciple our next generation. If there's a place that we think that we do not, cannot fail, it's with our children and students. And, and, and we began thinking through how do we equip the church to function in today's world and we, we don't want to miss the generation that's right with us now that are our children and students. And we began wrestling with how do we do that. And, and so this summer you're going to learn about a significant change that we are going to make in the way we use Sunday morning next fall. We're going to go back to expanding our morning to a longer morning. And I'm not going to give you all the details now. You'll have more opportunity. We're going to have some focus groups. You'll have a chance to speak into it. But I want to give you the big picture. The first half of the morning, we'll worship together as a full family. Adults, students, and children will gather together and worship. Uh, there'll be some transition times, some cafes. And the second half of the morning, our entire space here will be divided to small group environments. Uh, for children and students where a growing number of adults can be involved in discipling. And uh, this is going to be, we're going to be inviting parents into this space to play a bigger role in discipling their own children. Um, but we're going to be creating more and more opportunities. And here's the language we're using for those of you who are not parents. We want more of you to become spiritual aunts and uncles to the next generation. And we've got some creative, fun ways that we're going to be doing this in small groups using your special interests and your hobbies and your spiritual gifts. And, and we'll be also be using some of that second half of the morning to offer uh, a number of adult opportunities. Um, but the changes are going to provide uh, an opportunity for extravagant generosity to be displayed in the ways we invest in our next generation. We're going to go all in. And see, this is, this is the place that we as a church want to be massively committed to. And you'll, you'll, you'll hear about that all summer. And, but big picture, we're, we're, we're making a major commitment to discipling uh, the next generation. Here, here's the second priority that became clear. We're reimagining our way of life together in community. You heard me talk earlier about the fact that one of the things that we discovered was how disconnected our church family was and that once Sunday morning went, went away, we didn't have the relational network. We've got to change that. And this journey began for us um, earlier this year. So we, we began working through this actually about a year and a half ago. And the journey began for us uh, earlier this year when we birthed four life groups. 
and we have four life groups uh, that are now meeting on a regular basis. And, and throughout the summer, we're spending time with, we'll be spending time with the leaders of these groups, learning from their early experience and, and what do we gain and how do we shape it. And during the summer months, you're going to start hearing in June our invitation for more leaders. We're hoping to begin four new groups in the fall and four new groups next January. And uh, our vision is that within a couple of years, everyone who attends Grace has the opportunity to be involved in a life group. That it will become um, the central part of our way of life at Grace, that we, we can get to the place that no one at Grace Church um, need be isolated or fragmented or removed that they're known, they've got relationships, they're loved, they're invested. It's, it's where discipleship is taking place. And, and so these first two commitments are, are large commitments that are gonna, we're gonna devote a lot of resources to these in hours and leadership and financial resources. Uh, a lot of our extravagant generosity is gonna be directed toward how do we grow up these environments uh, uh, for our church family. This, this third priority is the one that I, I am, I'm, in many ways, most excited about. And, and it's probably, it reflects our biggest challenge, maybe our most complicated one. And that's uh, an integrated discipleship that equips everyone in our church family to practice the way of Jesus. An integrated discipleship. Um, we are going after something very large and significant for a church, even a church our size. And what we're, we, we began wrestling with a compelling question. If we, if we go in with discipleship with children, students, and adults in our way of life groups, and, and we say, we, we really want to do this well, we, we, we want that to become where we live out our place, here was the question, what are we discipling people to become? What's the outcome? Do we, do we have language for that? And, and so what we, what we began doing and what we've embraced, we're, we're, we're calling it practicing the way, practicing the way of Jesus. And, and just a quick introduction, we've identified three kind of big buckets. Uh, the first bucket is learning to be with Jesus and what are the practices that develop and deepen our life with Jesus. And, and the second bucket is how do we become like Jesus? What are the practices that shape and form us to become like Jesus? And the third bucket is how do we live like Jesus did? What's the way of life? And, and here's, here's the cool thing that, that we're doing. We are going to take that, that kind of overview of practicing the way of Jesus, and we're going to overlay it into all our ministries. And so as we develop curriculum with our children, our students, adults, we're all going to be talking about the same things. So that if, if God drops a family into Grace Church for three years, we're going to do our best shot to, to help them in that three years learn to practice the way of Jesus that your children are learning to practice the way of Jesus, that our students are learning to practice the way of Jesus, that we as adults are, are practicing uh, the way of Jesus. And it's an extravagant multi-year journey for us. But it's, it's part of our reflection to live just with an extravagant generosity that, that says we want to move away from Sunday morning being the only thing that defines who we are. And we're going to live larger in spaces away from Sunday morning. That's defined more by, by discipleship. Um, kind of the fourth thing that became clear to us is, is 
we need to refocus mission in today's world. Uh, Grace Church has been involved in missions our whole history. It's, it's one of the heartbeats. So when I talk about part of what is essential to Grace Church that must not change, it's this commitment to missions locally and globally. That is core to who we are. But something you and I all know, the world that we live in is changing rapidly. It seems like every year the pace of change is dramatic. We all see it. And so how, how we think about and how we do mission must adapt to those changes in thoughtful ways to remain effective. Now here at Grace, mission is organized around two core emphases. Uh, one is Engage Fayette, which is our local community, and the other component is Global Missions, which is our other countries around the world, and all of it encompasses uh, what we call mission. And you don't know this, but a lot has been going on behind the scenes over the past year. And I want to catch you up with some of the work that's being done. Um, pretty excited about it. We have, we have 14 years of intentional investment in Fayette County, and I shared a lot of those stories with you last week. We're reviewing what we've learned, what's changed in our community. How do we build on the relationships and build on the trust that we've established? What new opportunities can we envision that have not been on our radar? And so, so Kim and her team is, is looking at all of our relationships. And, and we've also led, and Kim has also led, a series of what we've called Global Missions Focus Groups. And over the past year, we gathered a group of listeners from within Grace Church family. That, and the listeners represented elders and staff. Uh, they represented people who have a long history at Grace Church in working with missions, people who have been protect, protectors of our traditions and new people with a vision for global mission. And we began co conducting a variety of Zoom calls. And we began with Zoom calls with all of our current mission staff all around the world. We've had conversations with all of them, often in groups. And we asked them what they were seeing where they serve and what's changing around them as they, as, they, as they serve Christ in mission. We've sought their input on ways that Grace Church can better serve them and better partner with them. And then we moved to the next threshold of Zoom calls and we began calling all the leaders of the missions organizations with whom all of our mission staff serve, groups such as Operation Mobilization and Greater Europe Mission and SIM Serving in Mission and, and, and Frontiers. And, and we began carrying on conversation with, with the individuals leading churches all around our country. What trends are you observing from churches that you work with around the country? And we are, we are finding the practices and, and the ways a local church envisions missions and, and how do you fund missions and, and how do you better support a mission staff and, and how do we improve our partnership with them? And the final cycle of focus groups that will take place this fall is with leaders who are thinking about mission 20 years from now. And we're going to be carrying on conversations. What things are we wise to be thinking about and envisioning today as we look to the future that we're not talking about right now? What current assumptions and practices need to be questioned and shifted? And here's the goal. The goal is that by the end of the year, we'll take all we've learned and begin reshaping missions in 2023. So it's been a year of learning for us. 
protecting our commitment to mission, but asking what needs to shift as we look at the next decade. And, and one of the questions that we're always asking is how do we disciple, equip, and involve more of the Grace family in lives of mission? Because mission is not just what people are doing in Africa and Asia and India. How do we involve people in the lives of mission in our neighborhoods, our local communities, our, our, where we go to school, where we work, where we play, as well as in other places around the world? How do we equip you to live in those places? Missions is not someone else who is called to do what God calls them to do, but it's a way of life we're all called to live. And the last clear thing that became clear to us, I'll share with you this morning, and the best words I have to put it is the creative use of an aging facility. <laughs> but you know, this is a stewardship for us. Uh, we, we wear this building out every week in this space. Um, with both Grace Ministries, Engage Fayette Partners, um, if you've been around Grace the past couple of months, you know we're giving attention to some of our outside building, a new surface. We're putting all new windows in our facility and all that's taking place. It's a, about a $350,000 investment. Um, but the wear and tear on this building is significant and the limitations are obvious. And so it's, it's led us to a whole series of questions. Uh, we, we don't have the resources today to just expand. And I think God is being creative with that. And so it forces us into some needed questions. How do we continue to leverage what God has entrusted us in serving the Grace family in Fayette County? How do we be more creative with what we do have? Um, how can we expand our capacity uh, to be who God calls us to be and, and be extravagantly generous with our property and our facilities? And, and how do we just continue to expand the ways that we, we can use our property? And how do we become more creative until we have the capacity to expand? Because here's, here's something that we are becoming very, very clear on. Ministry should never be defined or limited by facilities. You know, God just works far beyond that. And, and, and we don't want to limit ourselves to that. Um, and yet we, we live with it. And some of our near-term priorities that we're, we're wrestling with and praying about is we, we major upgrades to our parking that addresses both the design and where, with the layout and, and the deterioration that you all see. Um, we're, we're envisioning an outdoor pavilion and park space uh, to serve our Grace family. One of the things we discovered through the pandemic when we worshiped, about, when we worshiped outdoors is you all love being outdoors. <laughs> and the staycation was a great illustration of our family loves being outdoors. And so we're envisioning creating a space where we can be outdoors for worship and activities in better ways. And so, so when, you, when, when we think, when, when we as leaders think about envisioning the future and extravagant generosity. We think in terms of discipling the next generation. Uh, we think of re-envisioning how we live in community and, and, and integrated discipleship. We, we think of what does mission look like over the next 10 years and how do we re-envision mission and, and how do we think more creatively about this space. And, and so... Extravagant generosity is core to our spiritual formation as a family in every aspect. The way we live our lives in the communities, the way we live our lives in our places of work, um, the ministries of Grace Church, 
the leadership of Grace Church. See, we are trying as leaders the best we can to model and live with extravagant generosity as we look to the future. That's who we want to be. That's who we are. And so we're going to spend some time this morning praying about it. And we're going to invite you to some prayer. So I'm going to, I'm going to have a word of prayer. And then Kim is going to come and lead us in some worship to set that up. And then Sharon will lead us into our first time of prayer together. Because we just want to come before God and say, God, make us into these types of people. So Father, um, as, we, as we transition into a time of worship and prayer, we just invite your presence with us. And, and help us become the people you, you, you've designed us to be and live as the people you call us to be. In Jesus' name. as we transition into this space of prayer, um, I'm going to lead us in a song. Uh, it's pretty familiar. Um, but I do, I just want to invite you to take a posture of humility um, as we recognize just our great need, um, as we enter things that Gary s- spoke about, just vision casting. and um, But even as we think about this weekend, Memorial Day, and that we could enter in with the Lord and to respond. So I want to invite you to take a posture if you need to stand, if you need to sit. Um, however you could, could do that, if you need to close your eyes, if you need to lift your hands in this space, that's fine. But I um, just want to invite you now as we sing this song of just, um, we need God. We need God. So, Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I found my rest, cause without you,
As we When the world sings of scarcity, help us remember the abundance of the king. I don't know any better way than to do that than by entering into prayer and just being washed by his presence. So I want to invite you to come with me into the inner room because the veil's been torn. And to each one of you this morning, he says, get in here. 
So we want to give you freedom this morning to move around. Uh, you can gather your family and pray as a family. You can uh, gather with a friend, pray with a friend, go to a corner, sit together. Um, you have freedom. If you're online joining us, please join along. Uh, don't turn your volume down. I will bring us back in about 10 minutes. And as we go in, I just wanted to give you three questions to consider. What past wounds have limited your generosity? Perhaps, where would an increase of generosity lead to flourishing for you, for your family, for your church, for your community? And then lastly, ask God, what part of yourself do you see as an unworthy offering?
Oh Lord, King of eternal abundance, remind us when we start living with a scarcity mindset that we are denying the reliability of you. We ask for spiritual release, creative freedom, and open-handed living to pervade your people. May our footprint of generosity expand and testify. I pray that we would trust you implicitly to meet every heart and every need. Like a story-formed people, compose us in the Holy Spirit's pen. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. You know, over the past week, uh, the shooting that took place, took place in Ovalde, Texas was a stark reminder for all of us of the pervasive uh, presence and power of brokenness, sin, and evil in our world today. Um, and it seems to be happening all too frequently. On Saturday, I was just absorbing it and spending some time just praying about it, and I, I, I was in Psalm 57, and I have a prayer guide that I use that's uh, written by Malcolm Geith. It's a poetic reflections on the Psalms. And here was a phrase that I'm going to share with you as we lead into this next moment of prayer. This is what he wrote. 
until salvation dawns and Christ appears, until this tyranny be overpassed, your ways will cover us and calm our fears. Though darkness still dwells here, the clouds are riven by lightning strikes of grace. Isn't that a great phrase? Though darkness still dwells here, the clouds are riven by lightning strikes of grace. Though I'm here mourning, already in your kingdom my heart dances, and even here I sing for the day is dawning. For this next few minutes of prayer, I'm going to give you some, some, some suggestions, and you can pray alone in groups as, as Sharon has, has led you. Um, but here are some things that we can be praying for. Um, obviously, for the families that have lost children um, and, and other family members, adults were killed. Let's pray for those families. Um, we can pray for Rob Elementary. It's hard to even imagine the trauma of that school and what the, what the students and the staff and the faculty, the teachers, will be trying to come back to. I think we'd be wise to, to pray for our political leaders. I would imagine that all around this room, what you all happen to think and the opinions about gun control are, are wide-ranging. I think what we all can agree upon is that we, we are looking for leadership to come together to, to address the growing violence in our schools and cities. Let's pray that God brings our leaders together and that together they begin envisioning or having a conversation uh, about addressing some of this. And then obviously with this being Memorial Day weekend, a great time just to thank God for the men and women who gave their life for the freedoms we enjoy. So let's go back to prayer for a few minutes, praying these types of things, uh, in, in, in the ways that you feel led, and then I'll come back and I'll bring us out of this session, and then Sharon will lead us into our final time. So let's pray.